If you would, take your Bibles to John, John chapter 20. A couple weeks ago, we looked at um, John, we began looking at John 19, 31 to the end of John chapter 20, and I made the, the statement that this is probably one of the most important passages in the Bible as we come to the place where we deal in the gospel of John uh, with the resurrection, or really the death, the burial, and the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. And I quoted back then that Josh McDowell, um, in his book, called Evidence That Demands a Verdict, said the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever fostered upon the minds of men, or it is the most fantastic fact of history. And obviously you know where I stand. I believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most fantastic fact and probably the most important reality for mankind Today And then we looked that day in chapter 19, verses 31 through 42, on the fact that Jesus actually died and was buried. And so today we move into chapter number 20, and we're going to try to finish up this chapter here today. And, and there's a lot of different messages that we can bring. And, and if you've been in a church for any length of time, you've heard other messages on this, on this passage. But I, I want us to focus on the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead and that he actually was seen by those in that day and learned some lessons uh, from this. So let's pray and we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I thank you for the wonderful songs today that pointed out the fact that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, Lord, but he also Lord, died for my sin, and I pray, Lord, if somebody here today that does not know Jesus Christ, that you'd work in their hearts and lives, draw them to yourself, that today may be the day of salvation in their life. But for those of us that are believers, Lord, may we be challenged in our walk with you and strengthened in our faith, and we thank you for the work that you're going to do in Jesus' name, amen. When we look at John chapter 20 in verses 1 through 10, we see John dealing with the, the resurrection and the fact that Jesus actually rose from, from the dead. And really, this is the crux of Christianity. Some have said if you remove the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you destroy everything that Christianity stands on. Therefore, you destroy uh, Christianity, but the reality is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried in that tomb according to the scriptures, and the third day he rose, he rose again. Now, the first thing I want to bring your attention to is the promise uh, of Jesus himself. In, in John chapter 20, look with me in verse 1. The Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And so the Bible, John tells us that, that Mary, and we'll see here in just a moment, other women made their way to the, the sepulcher, to the grave where Jesus was placed. Now, I want to bring your attention to a, a couple other passages of Scripture that helps broaden the context for us uh, in relation to the same uh, details here of the story. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6, you have the same story being recounted by Matthew. And it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And the Bible says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. 
His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. Jesus was crucified and taken down on the cross, if you'll remember with me, and, and by Joseph and Nicodemus, and they, were placed, they placed him into that tomb, and they would ro roll the stone there in front of that tomb. And in other places, we're told that the Jews were so afraid that somebody was going to come and take the body um, so that they could claim that Jesus rose, that they asked for guards to be placed out there. And so I can imagine these women, as is coming to the Sabbath, they are getting prepared to go down to, to, the, to the tomb, asking themselves, like, like who's going to roll the, the, the stone away? And, and not knowing, they just went by faith to the tomb. And, and the Bible tells us here that this earthquake came, and the angel of the Lord came, and, and the stone was rolled away so that when they got there, that when they got there, it was open. But I want you to bring your attention to those words there in Matthew that when the angel says, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified, he is not here, for he is risen as he said. In Luke chapter 24 and verses 1 through 8, we find the same story. And it says, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, or he said unto them, excuse, or they said unto them, excuse me, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen." Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Now, John is bringing our attention to the fact that Mary came on the first day of the week, and that after the Sabbath was over, to the tomb of Jesus. And as we look at these other accounts, the Bible relates to us the fact that what, what, what actually happened is what Jesus had, had told them. Many times throughout the Gospels, Jesus accounts to them and, and relates to them that he's going to have to be crucified. But every time he does that, he tells them that the third day he's going to rise again. And what I have found is these disciples were a lot like you and me. What do I mean by that? We hear what we want to hear. We hear what we want to hear. You know, you've, you've told your children something in life and, 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 and they did exact opposite or they didn't finish and they didn't do exactly what you told them. Why? Because they heard what they wanted to hear. We, we all do that at times in life. Many of us are in a conversation with somebody and we're listening, but we're not hearing. Why? Because we are listening and we're getting ready to respond. And so we, we don't hear half of, of what's being said, and we really don't get the point. The point of Jesus wasn't just that he was going to be crucified as he's teaching his disciples. What he's telling, trying to tell them is that, listen, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. I'm going to be crucified, but the third day, three days later, I'm going to rise again. And what did they hear? They heard, well, you're going to be crucified. Why? Because they had an agenda. 
They, they, they knew what they wanted from Jesus. They wanted him to come and, and set up his kingdom, and they've been following him. And listen, this is the guy that, that was promised that this was the Messiah, and he's going to come and, and give us freedom from the Roman government, political freedom. And that's what they wanted. And that's what, that was their focus in life. And so now you're telling us that you're not going to set up your kingdom, and, and you're, going to, you're going to die? Well, that doesn't, that doesn't fit what we want. That doesn't fit what, what we believe. Isn't it amazing how often we come to the Bible with that same mindset? Well, well, wait a minute. I know what the Bible says here, but, hey, listen, we need to come to the place in our life where we simply just believe what the Bible says, right? We don't try to argue with it. We don't try to, to twist it to fit our thinking and our, our theology and the way of life that we want. So many people in our world today are constantly taking Scripture out of context to fit their life instead of saying, listen, I'm going to come to the Word of God, and what God's Word says is what I'm what I'm going to believe. I mean, these disciples should have been at the, at, the, at the grave that morning. Really, they should have spent the night the night before waiting to see Jesus come out. I mean, they should have been there excited, I mean, prepared, ready to, to see this great miracle, this promise of Jesus that, that, that he was going to rise again. But unfortunately, they were living in fear. And I want you to notice what the Bible tells us. The tomb causes them to believe. The Bible says in verse 8, Then went in also that other disciple who we believe is John, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Basically, again, they, they had heard that Jesus was going to rise from the grave. And so it wasn't enough just to take him at his word but they had the proof of the empty tomb. And for John, as for all early Christians, the resurrection of Jesus was the unchanging fact upon which their faith was, was based. And their faith in large part depended on the testimony and transformed behavior of those who had actually seen the resurrection of Jesus. And my point is here, we hear the gospel preached and we hear the message of the good news and, and yet we struggle to believe. But yet we see proof over and over and over again. For John and Peter, it was the empty tomb. For others, it's going to be, we'll see here in just a moment, that they got to see Jesus firsthand. For those in the first century church, they, they begin to see the lives of people changed. And we see the same thing in our life. The power of, of the gospel is amazing. Now, many people believe that, uh, that the disciples kind of were creating a hoax. Some believe that they stole the body of Jesus, and, and, and some believe that they, they created this false religion, and, and that they knew this really wasn't true. But think about it for just a moment. How many people would be martyred and tortured and sacrificed for what they knew was a hoax? You see, as we read the account of the lives of these followers of Jesus Christ, they understood the reality. They understood the truth that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he came and lived amongst men and ultimately being the perfect sacrifice, died on the cross for the sins of the world, that he was placed in that tomb. And, and as he promised over and over, he rose again, bringing eternal life to all those that would believe. My friend, Jesus Christ rose 
from the grave. And that is the foundation of Christianity, and that is the centrality of the gospel message. We go on then in verses 11 and following down to the end of the chapter, and we see that, that Jesus was actually Jesus was actually seen by, by others. And, and so, number one, we see that he was seen by Mary. Now, I want you to notice as we go through this passage that all of the people that got to see Jesus in that time were filled with, with human emotion. And then as they realize that the one that they are seeing is Christ, their condition was was transformed. Notice with me, verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And so if you'll follow along with me, and I know it's, it, it moves kind of quickly here. Mary comes to the, the tomb and realizes that it's empty. She goes back and she tells Peter and, and John, and they come back. And, and, and now Mary obviously followed back to the tomb. And the Bible tells us there in that verse before in verse 10 that the disciples went again unto their own homes. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And so again, we see Mary beginning to understand, but, but we see the grief in her life. In verse 12, it says, She seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they had taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus saith, saith unto her, Mary. There's something about, must have been something about the way Jesus said her name. Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and and your God. So we see Mary's encounter goes from, from grief to comfort. From grief over not knowing where the body of her Savior was to comfort. Jesus tells Mary not to, not to, to grab hold of her, not to take hold of her. And, and many people speculate as to, to what that means and why. As Some speculate as if Mary grabbed onto him, he wouldn't be able to ascend to heaven. And, and I don't think that's really the, the case. But, but I can picture in my mind Mary leaping out to, to grab the feet of Jesus in tears, rejoicing over her Savior. I don't know the grief that you have in your life today. But I do know that God is a God of comfort. And when Mary saw Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and realized who it was, her pain went to, to comfort. Next, we see Jesus shows himself to, uh, to the disciples there. And when we see, we are introduced to these disciples, the disciples are in fear. If you look with me, verse 19, the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and, and said unto them, peace be unto you. 
And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. So the disciples are locked away and afraid of the Jews because the Jews had persecuted Jesus and, and they were followers of Jesus. But when Jesus comes to them and they realize their fear turns to, the Bible uses the word gladness. They were glad when they met Jesus again and saw him face to face. And then the third instance where somebody sees Jesus is Thomas. If you look with me at verse 24, Thomas is doubting. But, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Again, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord... And my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And so we see in Thomas's life the doubt that turned into faith when he saw Jesus Christ face to face and understood who he is and what he had done for them. And so we see that Jesus was actually seen by, by his followers. And we see the transformation in their life because Jesus Christ is alive. My friend, we, we live in, in a sinful world. We live in a lost world. And we have all kinds of programs and all kinds of benevolence activities and all kinds of ministries. And we have all kinds of things going on in our society today, you know, trying to help people. And a lot of them are, are good programs, and they're needed programs. But can I tell you today, nothing will change people's lives more than meeting Jesus Christ, understanding who he is, what he did for him on the cross, and that eternal life comes through him. As we finish up John chapter 20, I want you to, to see that all of them, all of them, when they were encountered by the Lord, had, had a mission. Each, of, each gospel plus the book of Acts records a, a different version of, of the Great Commission. And as we come to John chapter 20, uh, here in verse 21, Jesus is with his disciples. And, and when he had also said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. And, and they, the disciples were glad when they saw that it was the Lord. And Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. 
Jesus appears to have been saying that when his disciples went to others, they were to take the, the message of, of forgiveness. Some struggle with these next verses, but he goes on to say, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are, they are retained. But Jesus, as he is giving his disciples instructions, he's telling them, as he tells them in other places, to go and, and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. As he appears to be saying to that, when his disciples went out and preached the message of salvation, as he had done, some people would believe and they would have their sins forgiven and others would deny or not believe and not receive forgiveness. You see, if people believed the gospel, the disciples were given the authority to tell them that God has forgiven their sins. But if they did not believe, they could also tell them that they had not been forgiven. And this reality is passed on to all generations. Go with me now as we finish this book or this chapter in verse 30. He says, In many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And remember way back at the beginning uh, last year when we started this series, we said this is kind of the theme of this book, the purpose of this book, and, and the purpose of the miracles that John records for us. In verse 31, but these are written, these signs, this book was written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. The exclamation point on this book, the Gospel of John, is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's been seen throughout the miracles that he performed from the, the wedding at Cana, all throughout the healings and the miracles that John had did and and it's seen throughout Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And he came to give his life a ransom. He came to die in our place for our sin. And he was placed in that tomb. And the reality is he rose again, bringing life. And here's the key to all those that believe. You see, becoming right with God and having favor with God is not based on any merit within ourselves. It's not based on, on how good we are or our morality or our heritage. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and whether or not we receive the gift of salvation through faith. And so John says, there are going to be those that believe and there are going to be those that, that don't believe. And as disciples of Christ, as his followers, you're to go out and tell them, if you, do, if you do believe, you receive life. But if you don't, you will die in your trespasses and sins. And you will spend eternity separated from God in the lake of fire that many call hell. And, and listen, we don't, we don't like the message. Hey, we, we want to say, hey, believe God is good. God is faithful. God is just. Believe on God. God loves you. Just believe. Just believe. Just believe. And we kind of stop there. But the truth is, if you don't believe, you will not have life. And you will not have forgiveness of sin. And you will be separated 
And all throughout the Gospel of John, he says you're either saved or you're condemned. You're either alive or you're dead. You're either in the family of God or you're not in the family of God. You're either forgiven and justified or you're the enemy of God and you'll be separated from him for all eternity. This has been the whole point of the Gospel of John. And as he comes to this section and he talks about the fact that Jesus died and was buried, but that he rose again, he's pleading with his readers and he's pleading with the disciples to preach this message as they go forward. And, and all throughout scripture, where God tells us, commands to go and preach this message. Because those that believe have life and those that don't believe will be condemned and spend eternity in hell. First of all, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you believed on Jesus and turned from your sin and by faith accepted his free gift of salvation? And then are we going and proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel? He, he told Mary in this passage, go, go and tell the other disciples. She had a mission after she realized who Jesus was. He, he told the disciples, go and, and preach forgiveness of sin. And, and he told Thomas, listen, you believe because you see. But think about those that will be more blessed because they believe and they haven't seen me. But they believe by faith. Now go and preach the message of the gospel of forgiveness of sin. We get, we get really busy in life. And we, it's easy for us to justify why we don't share our faith. I wonder what John's reaction would have been in that first century. It's like, hey, listen, I, I know I'm supposed to share the gospel and tell other people about Jesus, but I'm just a little busy. I, I wonder what Mary's reaction would have been, would be to our excuses about why we can't share the, our faith. God has called us to take this message to the world. And can I just be as blunt as possible? There's no excuse to not share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're either lazy or we're selfish or we're both. But those aren't excuses before God. We have been called to take this message to the world. And I hope that this is a priority in your life. Because all around us, there are people that are dying and going to hell that need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel that we sang about today and that John wrote about and that these disciples realized when they met Jesus after his resurrection. And Father, I pray again, if somebody is here today that has never accepted Christ as their Savior, may today be the day that they turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ in faith. And Father, I pray that we would be challenged when it comes to sharing the gospel and may we leave this place today and, and share in a greater way than we ever have before. 